Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. I hear a lot about, you know, millennials in the workforce and, and people hiring. As we bring millennials in, I think those stereotypes, some of them are true, but a lot of them just need some intervention and guidance from more business mature leaders like, you know, like yourself and myself that can actually help these younger folks that are full of um, excitement. That they just need a different management style. This is the Business Leadership Podcast and I'm your host, Edwin Frondozo. Happy New Year to you. And welcome to the first episode of 2020. First off, I am so happy and grateful that you are taking the time and joining me today. And in today's episode, my guest is Carmine Cinerari. He is the president of Sharp Electronics of Canada. And I'm so excited to, to share the conversation I had with him where he shares his wisdom, his management style, and and share some tools that helped him grow into the leader he is today. In this episode, you will hear how Carmine uses meditation to expand the levels of, of his knowledge and consciousness, and that helps him become a better leader every day. How immersing himself in the Japanese management style taught him a different side to leadership, and why he believes that there needs to be some transparency and communication during a company's turbulent times. Today's episode is brought to you by Slingshot, a Canadian telecommunications leader that provides business VoIP solutions that empowers the emerging and innovative organizations that are looking to work with partners that understand what it takes to effectively run a business. Slingshot's business VoIP service ensures that companies are communicating clearly to their customers, team members, and stakeholders. Unlike traditional telcos and cloud providers, their business success advisors understand what it takes to grow and scale a business. To learn more, go to slingshotvoip.com TBLP. Now with that, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Carmine. Hey, thanks, Edwin. My pleasure to be here. Well, I'm super excited, super happy to have you. Actually, this is a long time coming. Quick story for you listeners. This is actually uh, Carmen and I's uh, second attempt at our conversation and two months apart. So I'm excited to get this conversation, <laughs> Carmine. Going. That, that was my fault, I think. I don't think there was any fault. I think it's just... It was meant to be at this time, so I'm happy to connect with you. Um, Carmine, maybe if you could just introduce yourself to us. Can you tell us who is Carmine? <laughs> okay, loaded question. So uh, I'm Carmine Siderari, and I'm the president of Sharp Electronics here in Canada. Um, right now, we're marketing basically a full range of business technology products, like multifunction printers and displays. And we also ha still have a range of consumer products, including, uh, believe it or not, calculators and air purifiers and cooking appliances. Um, 
on the personal side, I'm, uh, I have one wife and two uh, elder boys, 17 and 21, one um, just finishing up high school and one in university. And I find, you know, where I am right now at my age and my tenure in my career, um, you know, one of my biggest hobbies, I consider it a hobby, believe it or not, is, is just to keep learning and seeking opportunities to learn new things and connect with people that can uh, perhaps teach me new things, um, especially in the last few years, just a, a really renewed interest in reading and staying current on technology and social trends. Uh, I've been fortunate in my career to have a lot of travel. Um, I've been to Japan about 50 times, believe it or not. <laughs> wow. been, you know, I've traveled extensively with my family too. So I, I do, as much as business travel has its downsides, um, I find now in the, in the, you know, being a bit older and being a bit more mature, I can handle that a lot better. I'm, I'm far better organized. And with technology, it's, it's easy to stay connected and not get overwhelmed by being, being out of the office. No, that's great. Well, thank you for sharing, Carmine. And it, and it's a trait I hear a lot on this show about the the willingness to learn, the curiosity to learn. What are some of the, I mean, I, on the personal side, what are some of the new things that you're learning that you're really pumped about on the person, I, I guess, <laughs> on, on, the, on the side? Something I'm really pumped about, but I'm not getting much airplay with my friends and relatives is I I was exposed to to, to meditation actually through so, so someone that I worked with here was was a pretty uh, a Buddhist, and uh, mm-hmm. she gave me a lot of reading material on Buddhism, which was quite interesting, and, and a lot of it around mindfulness. So now I find I have a real a real interest, a non business interest in just the uh, the ability for your mind to, to to sort of expand the levels of your of your knowledge and your consciousness, shall we say. Right. Actually, one of the one of the craziest ideas I've had in a while is maybe to uh, to entertain a retreat, a silent retreat where you actually try and connect with yourself in a different way without the stimulation of technology or books or or even exercise for that matter. Oh wow! I mean that that's great, and I I mean I have I have myself a meditation. Um, routine and exercise and it's it's super fascinating and i'm happy that you're discovering that have you noticed um the change um not only personally but also professionally with this practice absolutely one of the one of the big things and i think i go on and on about this to my team a lot is just how distracted we are as as people right now Mm -hmm. and that just introduces a whole new level of challenge in in managing people and, and managing a company that we're just, we're, we're very easily distracted by shiny objects. And I find, you know, through the, through being more, I guess, more consciousness, uh, consciousness, conscious of distraction, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it helps me to see, you know, I mean, little disciplines like, turning your computer off or not bringing it to a meeting and having your phone a distance from you and, and really, really trying to engage with people in a deep way rather than just, you know, you know, filling, you know, sort of being the cliche of, of Uber distracted all the time. It, it, it has really helped me. I mean, I can sit down and, and get my productivity is a lot better just because I can focus on, 
frankly mm-hmm. speaking, sometimes one thing at a time to be, you know, multitasking can be a bit of a misnomer sometimes. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And, and honestly, uh, Carmine, I mean, I know this is not a meditation. It is a leadership <laughs> course and uh, program, but I do love um, mindfulness um, type practices. So I'm really curious. You know, Edwin, it's funny you say that because <laughs> it, isn't, it isn't a leadership, um, it, it, you know, it isn't necessarily a leadership issue, but I think um, any, any tools that we can sort of evangelize around making yourself a better leader I think mindfulness or meditation is a big one because, um, frankly, the the better you are, the more in c- control you are of yourself. Um, you know, it does a lot for your business stamina and your concentration and your decision making. And it's uh, it's really hard not to have a, a good business case to actually get into it. Yeah, yeah. So, so I love that because that was sort of where I was leading to, Carmine. As you've experienced the change of you becoming a better leader, ultimately a better human. Um, do you see yourself sort of implementing some type of um, course or program with your leadership team here um, to, 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 to help them see, you know, the benefits of it? I haven't had any takers on the 10 day retreat, but um, yes, to be frank with you, I, a, a couple of the, a couple of my um, coworkers or my, the, my team, have started reading and, and listening to podcasts and things like that around mindfulness and meditation. And frankly, it's it's really nice to be able to share as much as we share the business uh, issues and things like that on a day to day basis. When we're on business trips and stuff, um, it is it is nice to. So I, I do see that as something I would want to implement in 2020. Is at least some awareness around. Mm-hmm. You know, frankly we have a lot more capability than we give ourselves credit for sometimes if we would just focus on spending time on the right things. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And, uh, and maybe Carmine, a 10 day silent retreat is a little overboard <laughs> as an, as an introductory uh, yes. meditation one oh one. I'm looking for a shorter one, Edwin. So if you know any, I'd love to hear about them. Oh, a hundred percent. Because I, you know, actually, um, I, personally have looked into those week 10 day um silent retreats but i have a young family i have a three and a half year old so taking 10 days off my parenting duties might not be uh, might not fly well but maybe finding a two three day one would probably be much better so if i do find one carmine i will i will pass it to you yeah. and we we could go hang out and be in silence together for i'd love days. to join you sure it's a good way to get to know each other <laughs> exactly <laughs> um so let's let's just get back into I guess your current role here at Sharp Canada, and I'm always interested as you know when I talk to this business leader, like what are what are you currently focused on? Do you have specific goals over the next six to twelve months um, in your role, or anything you're trying to achieve? I think um, I don't know. We we have a lot of initiatives on the product and technology side still to come. Um, Organizationally, we're, we're, we're organized around two business groups. One of them is more of a, a business products and technology group or our business solutions group. And then one of them is a consumer group. Um, so there's a lot of different issues. On the consumer side, we plan to launch really a wider assortment of, of cooking appliances, sharp sh- cooking appliances. Sharp has some technology there. Um, mm-hmm. We're pretty strong in air purification in that market. And believe it or not, we still sell 
literally hundreds of thousands of calculators every year for back to school and tax time and 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 seasonally so that's still a good business for us on the b2b side we're pretty um razor focused on the multifunction printer market um we've been growing our share we've been growing our unit quantity and our revenue in that business for the last three years um but we also have a lot of products to come on the display side we're launching a windows collaboration display so in partnership with microsoft we're we're uh, marketing a 70-inch 4K display with a, a lot of uh, AI sensors to allow it to monitor, you know, things like temperature, humidity, air mm-hmm. quality in the room. Um, but for myself, um, you know, the next 2020, probably one of the themes for 2020 for me in the organization is challenge, just challenging ourselves a bit more um, to do more with the same resources and actually perhaps to challenge the relationships with some of our channel partners to get them out of their comfort zone a little bit more. Um, Because Sharp is a global company. It's quite diverse. Um, Back in 2016, we had a significant investment from Foxconn, a Taiwanese um, EMS. And their scale, their their manufacturing scale is, you know, easily 10 times what Sharp ever was. Um, so we have a lot of interesting partnerships in the background that people might not realize are, are about Sharp. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I spend a lot of time, you know, frankly, trying to look around corners and make sure that the company's positioned and adaptable um, to cope with whatever's next. Um, yeah. And, I, and for my, for myself, again, you know, keeping the organization nimble, um, you know, I, I consider myself a bit of a facilitator of disciplined decisions and actions, um, making sure that we don't, uh, you know, I kind of call it big company disease. We want to make sure we keep the organization logical and flat so that there's no internal barriers to, to growth or to serving clients or to, to making good business decisions. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's um, really, for me, it's a combo. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm close to the product development, but not as close as I used to be. I'm more focused on, you know, the organization and, and keeping the organization healthy. Yeah, I mean, uh, and we'll get back into in, in terms of like how, how you got away from being closer to the product. But what's interesting to me is, you know, Sharp is a global brand. It's a global organization. And you mentioned, you know, having your resources in. Sharp Canada is a subsidiary, right? Yes. So how do you like how do you manage, how do you implement or even localize, you know, the corporate strategy, the global corporate strategy strategy effectively, Carmine? That's been uh, that's been a lot of learning and fun actually and for for context, um I've been with Sharp since 2000 um 1996 actually. So in April it'll be 24 years. Wow! Yeah, prior to um, Sharp, I was at a company that's almost disappeared from the market now, but it might be a brand that you'd remember if you're old enough as JVC. I know that brand. Yeah, (laughs) they were pretty famous for a lot of things. I mean, audio and TVs and VCRs. VCRs. (laughs) Imagine recording things on tape, but that was actually, even when I started at Sharp in 96, my first job was actually product manager for... um, camcorders and VCRs. (laughs) Um, So um, yeah, back to the question, 
So I, I think a lot of it was garnered from me getting a deep understanding and appreciation, frankly, for Japanese culture and Japanese management, and then taking that and localizing it to the market. Um, again, it came with, a, I, I think at the time I might not, but it did have a lot of pain and sacrifice in that I would spend on the high side, maybe seven times a year in Japan. Um mm-hmm sort of indoctrinating myself um, into the culture of, of Japanese management. And along the, on the, along the same lines, I had a lot of, you know, great influencers there. I don't know if I'd call them mentors in the true sense, but just gaining a lot of experience in the, how to succeed in a Japanese company and then taking that forward um, into Canada. A lot of times Japanese companies, um, they assign expats from Japan. So headquarters staff work in the local markets all over the world. In the last few years, that's really been, been not really the program. So the good news is there is a strong belief and, and I, and I would include myself in there of local managers that have credibility that they can implement the, the corporate direction or the corporate culture and, and adapt it to the local market. But I think the first step for me was, obviously understanding and feeling really comfortable with the corporate culture and strategy and then bringing this back and communicating it to the local employees. Um, And a lot of it isn't, uh, it's not particularly complicated. It's just a matter of communication, um, collaborating. Japanese management tends to be big on consensus, which can have its downside too. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, going to the site of problems is another good learning from Japanese management. So I always, you, you tend not to be a, uh, behind your desk manager. You tend to go to the source of problems and ask why five times as to why things happen. Um, the other thing I think over the years, just building the internal respect and trust that that allows the parent company Sharp to be able to trust, you know, my decision-making and my management style. And, you know, it, it hopefully it culminates in good performance for the subsidiary. So um, it's just been, it's just been really um, assimilating myself into, in, into the corporate culture. And then as a Canadian, I, I'm born in Canada. I was raised here. I mean, just localizing it to our market. The good thing is I have the respect of the parents. So, you know, if there's things that do have, there's obviously a lot of different, you know, whatever they be employment requirements or whatever requirements you know, Sharp has a pretty good global organization to to respect that and let and right. let us execute the business in the best way for our local market. I see. So, for those who are li- uh, who may be listening and maybe is starting their career or within their career of learning a new culture, a new um, environment, what like if you were to do it all again, what would you focus on that would help you? understand that communications gap or translating it to a localized uh, um, environment? It's a great question. If I, if I think back to when I, when I started at JVC, um, I can't remember if I was, if I was engaged or married at the time, but I remember going home and I had, I had been raised in a pretty standard middle-class family mom and you know my dad did work afternoons and nights periodically when I was younger but later in life he was more of a nine to five or so you know we'd always have dinner together as a family but I remember when I started working in Japanese companies 
my first job at JVC, I was sitting beside a, a Japanese gentleman. And when, when I say sitting beside, I literally mean like old school Japanese office where we were sitting mm-hmm. almost shoulder to shoulder and had a big sort of dot matrix printer beside me. And, and I, you know, <laughs> I, I was there a week and, you know, I'd be leaving at six o'clock and this gentleman would be there after I left, not me, not knowing that he was there till, you know, midnight or whenever he had to be there because of the time zone difference. And I went home and I said to my wife, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. Cause they said, these, this, this guy beside me is, is, is such a valuable resource. He's going to teach me a lot, but a lot of it gets done after five. And it just, it just required a lot of stamina in the beginning to really, I mean, I hate to say it, but sacrifice on behalf of your learning to, to commit to part of the Japanese style, you know, the, the working and the things that get done after hours can be pretty important. Um, Cause you know, when you're working your way up through an organization, I mean, those things become important. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really, it's really the stamina to, to follow maybe something that's not, not really the local custom. I mean, if I worked for a, for a German based company or a whatever a headquartered company, I'm sure I would have to adapt to, the different internal culture that would be there. And that would just be frankly by embracing it and, and trying to, to learn it as quickly as I could. Mm, great. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And I mean, given your experience and I guess travel and embracing different cultures, Carmine, do you see any unique uh, attributes uh, when it comes to the Canada's business environment? Like, basically, that would give any of the Canadian leaders an experience edge. I love, um, I love giving shout out to Canadian executives because I've, and it's it's nothing, not not a slight against any other country's executives, but I just find Canadian executives a little bit humbler or lower ego because of the smaller market size. Um, we just, that's one factor. And then the other thing is just the Canadian market itself. Um, it's, it's got, there's such a diversity in, in terms of ethnic or cultural or gender and other, other sort of demographic factors that, that force as a Canadian business leader operating nationally across the country, you've, you've got to address, you know, all these things in your marketing and your product development and your go-to-market strategy and your employer retention. So, you know, Canada has such a high proportion of foreign born people that, and, 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 you know, there's, there's like wide income demographics and, and, and everything across the social spectrum that, I don't know, it, it just looks on the surface like a great place to develop leaders and a, to even a test market products. Cause I mean, because of our size, um, the risk you would take on developing or test marketing a new product concept or something in Canada would be relatively low than going big into the United States. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of companies have gone into the United States at their peril because it is a, it is a bit of a, well, it's a different market for a lot of reasons. So yeah, I think, I think being Canadian, I found my cultural sensitivity uh, back to the Japanese experience. I mean, I don't, I mean, I've been here a long time, but I don't really make a big distinction between my Japanese coworkers and myself. Um, I, I'm at my heart, I'm Canadian, but I mean, I've really, we're able to embrace culture. It's such a 
it's such a neat place. I mean, we take, like I've lived in Toronto most of my life and, and all of my life. And it, it's such a diverse city. I mean, if you want to have authentic ethnic cuisine of any, anything, mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. you can have it, you can find it, you can meet people, you can, it's, it's very different than Japan, obviously, where, you know, almost no immigration into Japan. Um, the marketing strategy tends to be very straightforward. If you understand Japanese culture, you know how to market in Japan. Well, Canada's, I mean, we've got language differences. We've got all sorts of cultures and ethnic backgrounds. It's, it's a pretty cool place to, to do business. And it's a nice challenge for, for a leader in the market. As business leaders, we enter a new year and a new decade with, with new goals. But do you have a clear vision of where and how to grow your business? How will your workforce look like? So as we prepare for the growing gig economy and remote workforce, it is important to understand that you are working with communications partners that will help you get there. Slingshot understands the growing needs of business leaders and works with them to ensure their infrastructure is aligned to their vision and growth plans of the future. To learn more, go to slingshotvoip.com front slash TBLP. I'm just switching gears, Carmine, and I'd love to get your thoughts. Because um, when I look at, I guess, Sharp Corporation's last few years, I mean, it went through some difficult, some, some difficulties. So I'm wondering how or what advice you can offer uh, to someone who may be leading an organization that's going, going through some turbulent times? I think my, my reflection on that, I think, well, you're bringing up bad times, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some context on our times. So really, in 2007 in Canada, anyway, and even, even for Sharp Corp, that would have been probably close to a record year in terms of revenue and profit, and generally in Canada, everything was was pretty strong and well with customer relationships and market mm-hmm. share and, and brand image and sales, and that was great. In 2008, fortunately or unfortunately, that was when I was promoted to lead the company, and things got, you know, really interestingly negative. So the you know the Canadian dollar was weakening against the U.S. dollar. We had a global financial crisis with. Um, my, we, in Japanese, we call it Lehman shock in 2000, September. <laughs> and then, you know, and then at the same, so we had, you know, Canadian problems, but then globally, Sharp had invested quite heavily in LCD manufacturing and, you know, the corporate balance sheet and the income statement were strained and there was a lot of competition. So 2008 was like, if I, if I reflect on my career, 2007 would be the highest high. And strangely, 2008 might be the lowest low in terms of, you know, profit decline and sales decline. So basically, I had to reflect on the fact that maybe what got me, what got me this far wasn't going to sustain me through this. So, mm-hmm. I, and I had, I had, I had built a style, which I, which I still have, which is to be very, you know, transparently celebratory about numbers. So when the company's doing well, it's quite easy. I mean, you're you're presenting, you know, h- high growth sales numbers and profits good and, and market share is good. But in tough times, 
you need to really carefully contextualize what's happening. So, mm-hmm. but I had to stay true to the fact that I wanted to be transparent. So it, it wasn't the time to, to sort of cocoon and hide from the reality. Cause I mean, even, I mean, the, even the news cycles come a long way even since then, but the employees are bombarded with information from the public sources that, um, they need, they need context on, otherwise you'd have a mass exodus of the company. So I think if I were to, if I were to think of a few things that for leaders to, to do during crisis would be err on the side of over communication and Mm -hmm. really, um, exercising, uh, I'll call it participative management. So be there on the front line with your team. So I think if you, if you don't have a leadership voice in your company, it might be the time that you develop it or find someone who can, who can uh, evangelize whatever positive message or whatever you can find out of, out of uh, turbulent times. And then it's also a time when I found that it was helpful to have you know, that the trust of the organization in you, because, um, you know, it, it is a leap of faith. If, if the leader's saying that we're going to be fine and we're going to get through this, I mean, the implication is that they trust what you're doing and your judgment and the decisions you're making. Um, but again, I think it, it also was a time maybe when I learned the auth- authenticity side, um, you know, you smile when it's time to smile, but you're, you're, you're inevitably going to go through times when, you got to be real. You, you might have to do things. You might have to restructure. You might have to lay people mm-hmm. off. You might have to report losses. So if, if you're, you know, if you're real, you're going to have an emotional response to that. And I found that uh, therapeutic, not only for myself, but even for the people that might have been on the wrong side of receiving negativity through turbulent times. If it's handled properly, it tends not to be as bad as, as everyone thinks. Um, you know, and the other thing was really as a leader, making yourself available to answer concerns really night or day from, from customers, from employees, from, from any stakeholders, because, um, you know, the, the, the public releases or the, the media speculation or whatever can continue through the night. So you could literally get, you know, you get an email forwarded from Edwin that says, Hey, Sharp's, uh, you know, teetering on a problem or something like that. And a lot of it mm-hmm. can be speculation, as you might imagine, but it's important to respond to those things in a constructive way. Um, so I just found myself really over-communicating, um, you know, upping the town halls. Like we, nowadays we do them probably quarterly um, with a monthly email, but in those days we were doing them at least monthly. And if there was significant enough developments we would just call an all hands meeting on the spot. Um, and I, I think I was maybe nowadays um, going through that. I probably toned down the amount of numbers that I present to the team. But in those days, I remember going through, you know, looking for good news would be, for example, keeping your expenses in check or hitting your budget, even though it's a decline versus the prior year or whatever the corporate direction at that time was. So it's really just keeping everybody grounded uh, by communicating. Yeah, no, it's, it's super important to communicate and be transparent. And I think that was uh, um, some key lessons that I heard as you shared, I guess, the experience as you took on the new role and managed it um, successfully. 
Um, and and congrats to that. And thank you for sharing that because it wasn't. It was definitely not easy to yeah. share these type of things. But there's a lot of like you said, wisdom and insight One of those that things you. That when I, I find um, when you work, so I believe you have your own company, and and that's a yes. bit different when when you have a parent corporation that's you know publicly traded on the market and stuff. So you you could literally. You know, you won't be in the know on everything that's developing in the corporate. Mm-hmm. But I think it's being able to respond to that credibly um, and just being transparent. And 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 I've, you know, through my career, I've run into other leaders in the same role as myself that work for foreign parents. And there's a, how do I say this uh, nicely? There's a bit of a nasty um tactic that leaders can use in it where, where you become a victim of your own corporation. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Where, um, you know, I never exercise that story because, and, and as much as Canada wouldn't swing the corporate balance sheet or income statement one way or the other, I would always take responsibility for what we owned, which was the Canadian market. Um, so I never, I never exercised the ability to say, I don't know what's happening or I don't have faith in what's happening. I, I yeah. we own, you have to own it. Um, regardless of you, if you're in control of it, it's ultimately it's your corporation too. So that's it's right. Cool experience. No, hundred percent. One th- And one, one thing that I find fascinating and I, and I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this Carmine is when I, actually looked into your, I guess, your career trajectory. And you mentioned it at the top. You know, you've been at Sharp Canada for 24 years. Very traditional yeah. um, way to grow. I mean, it's very uncommon now. I mean, you see a lot of people, and I'm sure it could be challenges within your own organizations where, you know, rising leaders are leaving. Yeah. So first off, I guess I'd love to get some of your, I mean, if you had any difficult decisions that you had to make throughout this this tenure at this point um, that you could share that really, I mean, obviously you shared the one when you took over as president. So that was a lot of difficult times and management skills that maybe you haven't exercised, but was there a key time that, yeah, that you could share that helped you grow? Yeah. Beyond, um, beyond just the obvious thing of, of being promoted somewhat, somewhat, somewhat unexpectedly and suddenly, but that's a different story. But, but one of the, one of the things, um, that I'd reflect on. I had, I had grown up most of my career on the marketing side. Um, so I was typically, I think when I was at JVC, I was a, a business planner and then went into product marketing and then came to sharp and sort of worked my way up through the marketing group. I think one of the biggest, maybe, maybe stressful pivots at the time was, was to move into sales um, mm. to take on. So, on the marketing and planning side, you're typically creating budgets and, and doing things like that, where when you're in sales, it's more the quota and what you have, you actually have to deliver it. And you don't really, you know, you have to take the tools the company gives you and deliver a number, which is a bit of yeah. a different dynamic than the, the marketing role. So I, I, when I was in marketing, I was probably the biggest critic of sales. And then when I went into sales, I became <laughs> the biggest critic of marketing. Um, so that was that was a big deal. I mean, and that was probably, I, I you know, I, I might, I might classify that as one of the most important pivots I might've made because um, the world, 
looks a lot different in the office than it does when you're on an airplane and traveling across the country, right? In the So you're actually delivering the corporate message or the corporate strategy or whatever there is to deliver directly to the customers. And that's, that's a different job. And it's, um, you know, it, it obviously gave me a different respect for, for sales. Um, yeah. And, you know, the importance of it and the difficulty of it and, and kind of, it made me a stronger marketer, frankly, in the sense that I, you know, you're listening to the customer's voice directly. It's not through any filter. Um, you know, the, the lines between sales and marketing today, I think, are, are far more blurred in a good way. I don't mm-hmm. think you can be a good marketer if you don't understand sales and probably vice versa. But those are, you know, those are special, special people defined. Um, but I think I think that would have been one of the, you know, one. I, I, let me think about it. If I considered it a decision at the time, anytime I've been given opportunity in my career, I, I didn't consider it a decision. I just had to take it. Uh-huh. But, but to move, you know, to, to take a to take a role in sales, I did understand that. I mean, the number ultimately become marketing hands it to you, and then it's yours. <laughs> yeah, um, right. <laughs> now it's a bit more collaborative, but I mean, um, I can remember a lot of stress around just delivering especially in the consumer business because in in, within our company here you know the business products is a is a different you know there's a run rate and there's there's not that there's more of a predictability but in the in the in the consumer retail space i mean you you can drop you know you can drop 15 percent of your month or 20 percent of your quarter in three days um you know, because there's, you know, there's things like Boxing Day and, and, and seasonality around holidays and things like that mm-hmm. that can really impact the numbers. So, yeah, being in sales was probably a big decision. I don't, I don't know that I, again, I don't think I had an option to decline it, but I think that was really necessary to, to probably put me where I am today. Mm-hmm. Fun question, Carmine. If I were to ask any of your team members, colleagues, past or present, peers, What's the best leadership quality that you have? What do you think they would say? Uh, <laughs> beyond uh, good looking and great personality. <laughs> well, obviously. Um, <laughs> and we've never met, so that's good. You're only going by my photo. Um, I, I think today they'd probably say a genuine care for people. Um, I don't. I believe it that that really I'm only as good as the people that I work with or that work for me or work on behalf of the company. Um, you know, it's it's pretty humbling when the people trust you and and really can see it. You know, it's 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 ultimately my job to sell the vision or my vision. But um, I think I think it would be my, my probably the most humbling thing I think people would say was just a genuine care for people. Um, if you had asked them 10 years ago, they might have said something else. They might have said numerical, analytical ability. Um, yeah, and, and a driven sales mind. Um, and But lately, especially in the last few years, I'm pretty pragmatic guy. Um, you know, and, and I haven't really 
you know, thrust myself into social media or other avenues. I'm, I'm sort of more motivated by seeing my team grow and develop and it generating good results. So I, I would go with, I would go with genuine care for people. I would hope. Carmine, do you have any final thoughts, observations? Ideally, what I'm trying to find is actionable recommendations that you could share to the growing business leaders who are listening today. Yep. Um, I would say leadership isn't for everyone. So I think there's a bravery that's necessary, a, a stamina and bravery. Um, you've got to be able to, to take you've got to be able to bring some simplicity to, to complexity and then determine, you know, how you're going to get through problems or determine the objectives for your, your company or your business. And then I think the tough part for a lot of people is, is you got to have a voice. You have to have a leadership voice. I don't think this is a job that gets done electronically or on social media or by email. I mean, that's part of it, Mm -hmm. but I think, you know, if you don't have a voice, then you better find people that can put your vision to a voice because you need to evangelize the company and your brand and and the vision you have for the company. And you need to have a voice to challenge your people to, to, to adapt to change or whatever happens in the market. I think another skill that I think is important is is, is – that distinction between leading from the front when you're taking your organization through turbulence or unknown territory. And then the other point would be maybe sometimes being brave enough to trust your team and lead from the back, sort of pushing them forward with your support. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, for me, it's all about the people. I think surrounding yourself with great people, hiring great people. And then, you know, I hear a lot about, you know, millennials in the workforce and and people hiring. I mean, our, our average age has been declining, but, but it's still probably a little bit high. Um, But as we bring millennials in, I think those stereotypes, some of them are true, but a lot of them just need some intervention and guidance from more business mature leaders like, you know, like yourself and myself that can actually help, these younger folks that are full of um, excitement, they, they just need a different management style. They need to know why they're doing things and why the mm-hmm. company exists and why things are, and why change needs to be made. And I think, you know, they may not stay around for the longest time, but I think it would be a shame if, if an experienced leader didn't intervene and, and really guide the young talent um, even in their personal lives or their reputation management or their business maturity, because um, a lot of, I mean, even with my kids, they're, they're older than your kids, my 21 year old or my 70. I mean, they don't really think anything of, of what they're doing now activity wise on social media and stuff, but that, that kind of stuff just comes with maturity and they need guidance in that sense. They take a lot mm-hmm. of things for granted. Um, then the other thing that I think, you know, is really important for a leader is just simply living by, if it's not you, then who's going to do things. If, if you're not going to prompt change, then who do you expect to do it? It's, it's always about someone taking ownership and leadership over something. 
Yeah, no, amazing. Well, thank you for sharing. Amazing conversation, Carmine. I know, I mean, I'm going to ask you if you could tell us where you could find more information about you, but I know you're... I'll tell you where you won't find. You won't find yeah. me on, on uh, Facebook or Twitter, but that's nothing against them. But, but you'll, if you want more information about Sharp Canada, you can obviously go to sharp.ca. And if you wanted more interest about Sharp as a corporation, sharp-world.com. And then you, 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 if you do want to reach out to me, um, which I do accept, is, is on, you can find me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. And obviously, I'm going to share you know, when we, Carmine and I, are in a silent retreat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Carmine, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to join us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Thanks a lot, Edwin. Nice talking to you. That's it, Biz Leaders. Thank you for joining me on the first episode of 2020. This was episode 141 of the Business Leadership Podcast with special guest Carmine Cinerari. If you want to learn more about Carmine, Sharp Electronics, or anything else that we discussed, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 141. Also, Please join me on my private Facebook group where I will discuss this episode, answer your questions, and connect you with other like-minded business leaders. Simply search for the Business Leadership Group directly in the Facebook. Thank you again to Slingshot, a Canadian telecommunications leader in business VoIP communications, a company that understands strategic growth, which aligns with your vision and goals of the future. Lastly, if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe, rate, and leave a comment on your favorite podcast provider. Thanks again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Okay.